Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Buongiorno. It is here. Yes, it is game day. It's the quarterfinals of the Euros, people. They say all roads lead to Rome, and whilst we have no Pope in the squad... They certainly did for us after the round of Sistine. Tonight we face Ukraine in the Stadio Olimpico in what promises to be a gladiatorial battle. Who comes out on top remains to be seen. They say Rome wasn't built in a day. Hopefully though, we'll only need 90 minutes. Will our defence be a Hadrian's Wall? Will we climb Mason Mount's Olympus? I can barely keep my nerves in check and I'm sure you're the same. But fear not because we've got loads of great stuff coming up on the show to keep you entertained. This is, of course, the official England podcast. Your best way to get a pizza, the action. As always, I'm Adam Smith here to bring you all the latest exclusive news, interviews and insight from within the camp with some dreadful puns chucked in as well. Cheers for that, Jack. It is match day, and it really is the only place where you can get your daily Three Lions fix. Here's what's coming up. We'll have the latest from inside the camp as the lads touch down in Rome. Back by popular demand, yes, Smithy's stat attack is back. We'll be hearing from the gaffer as well as Harry Maguire, who spoke to the media yesterday. It's nice as a a central defender to, to keep clean sheets and... But the main focus is winning football matches, and at the moment we're doing that, so long may that continue. In the Lions' Den, chatting with Julius Geezer himself, Mr Josh Denzel, it was midfield magic man, Calvin Phillips. You know, the atmosphere that we experienced in the Germany game was, you know, out of this world. I'd never experienced anything like it. We'll get the opposition lowdown on the game from Ukrainian football expert Andrew Todos. Here we are, making history regardless because, um, you know, first ever quarterfinal appearance of the Euros. And I spoke exclusively to Mr England himself and possibly the most passionate and energetic guest we've ever had on the podcast. Yes, Tony Adams. It's, just, it's a way of kind of getting the kind of... Um, the nerves out of the system if you go, God said, there we go. <laughs> so blow your whistle, ref. Let's get started. Let's start with the latest update from camp. And not St George's Park this time, but straight from Rome, as the lads have left their base and have made it out to Italy. And before they travelled yesterday, every single member of the squad trained. However, as you will hear, Bakayo Saka did get a knock and is being monitored. It was the turn of Harry Maguire to speak to the media alongside Gareth Southgate. Here's what they had to say. Well, I think, um, firstly, making sure the 
uh, players have got the right level of information but not not filling their heads too much it, when you've got a short turnaround they've got to recover first of all from the previous game um, physically you can't do too much on the training ground so you know, you've got to get the right balance um, but we feel that um, we've, we've got the information across that we that we wanted to and yeah we're really looking forward to the game now we had um, sort of six, <coughs> six days prep before the last game so um, and although the game the other day was intense and emotional it was it was only 90 minutes so I think everybody is fine in terms of physical load um, we've of course got a strong squad and a strong bench as well so um, and the heat here will be uh, although we won't be right in the middle of it, it it's going to have a, a little bit of a factor by the end of the game I would think so we've just got to manage people through that but the, the players are all physically in good uh, good position Yeah I think obviously you can judge by the, the goals that we've conceded in recent games um, it's not just a defence it's a, a great goalkeeper behind us um, and also just, just as a team as a unit as a base um, we have tireless strikers who are working hard and, and putting pressure on their defenders, not giving them any moment to, to build and control the game. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big team effort. It's not just the defenders, but of course um, it's nice as a, as a central defender to, to keep clean sheets. And, but the main focus is winning football matches and at the moment we're doing that. So long may that continue. You play a back three or a back four. I think there's certain aspects of games where you, you, you build with a back three and you, you can go into a back three even though you're playing a back four. So I think it's important that you can be fluid in the system and I think we are at the moment. Well, you always need runs in behind, however deep a defence are. You know, the, it doesn't have to be uh, long passes in behind a defence. It, it, it can be little five-yard runs. You've got to disrupt opposition defences. So... Um, of course, any players that are good in one against one situations that um, that have that creativity are important, and uh, we're fortunate that we've got we've got players with, with that profile. We're not only just England players, but we're all England fans. So whether I'm playing or whether I'm not, I'm wanting the team to win, and I'm sure Tyrone's exactly the same. He did brilliant in the first two games. He got us two important clean, clean sheets for the team. So. We know he's ready when he's called upon. Um, he's a great part of, of the group and, of course, um, we have competition for places in our squad and, and that can only help. We, we've just got to check on uh, Bukayo, uh, who had a, a slight knock today, but um, other than that, everybody's available, yeah. You're listening to the official England podcast. Hello, mate. Sorry. Um, oh, Smith, is that you? Smithy? From the Official England Podcast? Yeah, mate. Oh, I've been chasing you all around the park. I just wanted to know, when's the, uh, when's the Smithy stat attack coming back? Well, it's funny you should ask me that, random man who's just stopped me in the park for no apparent reason. A little bit weird, but your wish is my command because, backed by incredibly popular demand, here is everything you statistically need to know about our opposition. Can I get a picture, mate? Smithy Stat Attack! Yes, I have got my own jingle, people. I am all over that. Right, let's get into it. England have lost just one of their seven meetings with Ukraine in all competitions, winning four and drawing two, going down 1-0 in October 2009 in a World Cup qualifier. England and Ukraine have met at a major tournament only once before, with the three Lions winning 1-0 in the group stages of Euro 2012, thanks to a Wayne Rooney goal. 
Each of England's previous three quarterfinal matches at the European Championships have gone to extra time and penalties. England progressed from the first of these against Spain on penalties in Euro 96, but England lost in penalty shootouts against Portugal in 2004 and Italy in 2012. Why on earth am I reminding you of that? Right, let's swiftly move on. England's nine goals against Ukraine in all competitions have been scored by nine different players. Robbie Fowler, Tony Adams, who appears later on in the podcast, David Beckham, Michael Owen, Sean Wright-Phillips, Peter Crouch, John Terry, Wayne Rooney and Frank Lampard. Interestingly, six of England's nine goals against Ukraine have come after half-time, with the three Lions failing to score a first-half goal in each of their last four clashes with them. So... Be patient, people. England are only the second side in European Championship history not to concede in any of their first four games of an edition of the tournament after Germany in 2016. The only team to have kept a clean sheet in each of their opening five games of a World Cup or European Championship was Italy in 1990. As for the opposition players, Andrei Yarmolenko has either scored or assisted five of Ukraine's eight European Championship goals. Indeed, five goal involvements is level with their current manager, Andrei Shevchenko, for the most by a Ukrainian player at major tournaments. That includes World Cups and Euros. And timed at 120 minutes, 37 seconds, Ukraine's Artem Dovbik scored the second latest goal in European Championship history against Sweden, behind Semir Senturk against Croatia in 2008. And it was the latest match-winning strike in the competition ever, overtaking Michel Platini against Portugal in 1984. And no Ukraine player has created more chances and attempted more shots at Euro 2020 than Ruslan Malinovsky. Right, that's enough stats for one day. I'm off for a lie down. Josh Denzel was ready and waiting for the lads as they were getting onto the coach on their way out of St George's Park. He had a lovely little chinwag with Calvin Phillips. Now I feel good. Obviously, I'm surprised at you know how well I'm doing. Didn't think I'd be doing this well, but you know I've got very good players around me and good coaches, so it's helping me settle in a little bit better. We knew how important the game was going to be. Um, obviously, Germany were a good team as well, and the history of everything. Um, but after the game. You know, it was all buzzing. I think Harry came in with his Man of the Match um, trophy and everyone started singing his song. (laughs) And then Raz came in, we started singing for Raz. And then, so it was just nice. It was just a good day. How do you, like, obviously, it's it's such a big win, such a a historic win. How do you, like, put that behind you and then start to focus on the task at hand, which is obviously Ukraine in the quarterfinals? Um, For me, it's quite easy because... You know, it's the first time I played Germany, so yeah. you know I didn't know what it was like in the past. Um, but obviously, I know that we want to go far in this tournament, so I know that we've got to kind of push that to one side, all the celebrations, and go again against Ukraine. And you know, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a tough game, like always. And you know, we're playing at a decent stadium as well, which will be nice. We're going to get onto preparations in a bit, but watching training this morning. Oh, <laughs> this is a double trouble. You can see Ben White in the back there, tanned as ever, looking well. Um, Steve Holland had a long chat with you boys at the start of training. What kind of stuff was he saying uh, to the group? He was just saying that um, at the start of the Germany game, we didn't quite get to grips with it. I think he said that we looked like we came out into the game with a smaller mentality than what Germany did. And then he said by the end of the game, it had flipped round. We was the stronger ones. We was, you know, playing better. And obviously we got the results. So I think he was just saying, don't never not believe in yourself always believe in yourself and he says it's going to be exactly like that the next game and to the final as well so 
How important are the recovery days for you? I know you cover so much ground in a game. How important is it to have those kind of, I guess, rest and recuperation moments? So, because there's such a quick turnaround between games at this point. Yeah, it's massive, especially for me, because obviously, like you said, I do run a lot, and you know, my body takes two days or something to recover after a game, and um, I'm just more or less in the physio yeah. for a day, and then obviously doing recovery and that round the around the training ground. But I'm also enjoying myself, chilling out and stuff like that. So it's it's a lot easier when you've got a lot of stuff in here to do and, you know, you've got people uh, who you can speak to and that True. all the time. The atmosphere at Wembley was <laughs> electric. I mean, every time I bring it up, the boys are just grinning ear yeah. to ear. Like, it's something a lot of them had never experienced. You obviously, you play at Leeds, a loud stadium, but I guess England, Germany is a, a different beast. There's going to be less England fans in Rome. I'm sure some will travel. Yeah. Does that make you even more hungry to get back to Wembley to experience that? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the atmosphere that we experienced in the Germany game was, you know, out of this world. I never experienced anything like it, especially after, you know, the first goal and then even the second goal, it was just ridiculous. And then at full time, um, yeah, just I can remember just watching the interview with Harry, um, Harry Kane after the game. Oh, missing just, Sweet Caroline. Yeah, yeah, it just gives you goosebumps. And, you know, obviously we know that we're going over to Rome and it's um, there's not going to be as many fans there, but... Like you said, it's just a matter of getting the result over there and you know bringing it back here and into Wembley for the semi-final. Calv, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. We're all behind you. Cheers. You're listening to the official England podcast. Right, joining us on the podcast now is a Ukrainian football expert and founder of the Ukrainian football site Zoya Londosk. He's on to give us all the insight on England's next opponents. It's Andrew Todos. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Now, my first question is, you were born in England. You're currently living in England, but you have Ukrainian heritage. So the big question is, who are you supporting for this huge game coming up? Hi, Smithy. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I'm going to be partisan on this one and I'm going to be supporting Ukraine. Too much invested in it over the past few years and, you know, with my Ukrainian heritage. Yeah, it's got to be Ukraine. Perfect. Okay, Uh, and of course, you are a Ukrainian football expert, so lots we want to get into to get an insight into that Ukraine team. Firstly, it feels applicable for me to ask about your round of 16 game. Dramatic win, wasn't it? Right at the death, almost the last kick of extra time. So how did the country react to that last minute winner against Sweden? Well, due to quarantine restrictions and that sort of stuff, not many Ukraine fans from Ukraine were actually allowed to come to the game. So majority of the people in the stadium were from the UK that, you know, support Ukraine from there. Mm. But back in Kyiv, back across Ukraine, there were like cars honking horns, um, mm. you know, massive celebrations, big screens, sort of fan zones in the city centre. Yeah, the celebrations went well into the night. It was as if, you know, Ukraine had won the tournament. But um, yeah. here we are making history regardless because, um, you know, first ever quarterfinal appearance at the Euros. Yeah, what do you think Ukraine got right? Because it was quite a crazy game, wasn't it? Quite a physical game. It was, um, you know, a lot of action. What, what were the big positives that you took other than the result, of course? Well, the performance was a lot more improved from the Austria loss in their final group stage game, which was like uh, a quite a dire performance that both, you know, Shevchenko, the Ukrainian media and even the players admitted was way below, you know, their standard. And this time round, they just had a lot more belief. They had eight days rest in between their last group game and this and the match against Sweden. Mm. So it gave them a bit more freshness, a bit more, you know, time to build on their fitness. And there just seems to be a belief. 
um, that, you know, even when, you know, going on almost on penalties that Ukraine could somehow carve something up, especially as they were playing against 10 men for almost the majority of the uh, extra time period. Yeah, I want to talk about Andrei Shevchenko because this is a man that scored Ukraine's first ever goal at the Euros. He's Ukraine's all-time top scorer. He won the Ballon d'Or. He took Ukraine to the 2006 World Cup quarterfinals and he's led Ukraine to Euro 2020 quarterfinals for the very first time. So is he quite simply just the most popular Ukrainian ever to exist? (laughs) Pretty much. Um, Yeah, it was going to be quite difficult to sort of match his playing career yeah, um, of going it basically his managerial job is his first one in management. He's been at Ukraine um, at the helm since 2016, and he's Ukraine's longest ever serving manager at the moment. So, you know, there were questions about how he'd be perceived after the end of this tournament. You know, because everything that's led up to led has led up to this basically because you know. Mm qualifying yeah you can win the group you can beat the likes of Portugal and Serbia but it comes down to the final tournament performance and you know there were some questions being asked after that Austria loss would if Ukraine get knocked out or or whatever but they got the result yesterday and he's definitely secured himself in Ukrainian folklore both as a player and now as a manager yeah, amazing. Go on then, give us the insight from within the camp. A couple of questions. I want to know sort of um, how the players are doing because there's a few injuries. It was a very physical game, wasn't it, against Sweden? So give us any sort of injury updates you might have and also what the perception is within Ukraine. Because as you said, this is the furthest they've ever got to the Euros. So is, is it job done, whatever happens, it's still a great achievement or is there a real belief that this team can go further? Yeah, so first up on the injury front, um, Artem Besedin, the one that got that very nasty injury for the red yeah. card tackle. He flew back straight back to Kiev after the game and he's apparently been diagnosed with a, a fractured femur and some um, torn ligaments. So he's out for at least six months, sadly. Um, the Ukraine side, after they won, they dedicated the win to him and say, and have said that as we'll also be playing for him against England. So added motivation nice. there. And yeah, in general, the consensus is that, you know, Ukraine have not even potentially exceeded, but maybe matched expectations because people wanted them to, Shevchenko before the tournament said, our minimum aim is to get out of the group. But, you know, after finishing third in the group and somehow luckily making it there, Mm. you know, people back home were saying, "Mm, you know, maybe you can't really judge or rate an achievement that highly. But now that they've made the quarters, it's certainly like, Anything now is a bonus. The pressure's off, really. Just go out and have fun and you can maybe write some more history. And uh, the flip side to that is I want to know what the local press, what the Ukrainian press have made of England's performances, England's squad. Just a bit of an insight, really, of what is being said in Ukraine about this England team. Yeah, so basically they've been talking about the fact that, you know, England very well organised not scoring too many goals, but still getting the job done um, against, you know, quite you know, solid teams. They, um, yeah. There was a bit of criticism, obviously, as there was across across the world, I guess, during that Scotland win, but they've rallied back since. Um, you know, they've said that Ukraine, uh, England have had a good response following that Scotland performance. And in general, I think there's been a lot of comparisons between sort of England's bench and sort of the whole value of Ukraine's team. As in, um, because really? obviously great, um, England are full of superstars. And even Alexander yeah. Zinchenko said it in his post-match interview saying that, you know, even Ukraine's 
um, even Ukraine's sort of full 26-man squad doesn't match up financially um, to the England yeah. team. But regardless, um, I think they've highlighted Raheem Sterling as obviously the key man with um, all the big goals so far. And they've also made a note of the fact that Harry Kane's finally off the mark. So maybe that might be mm. something that Ukraine needs to give a bit more attention to in the game. That was interesting. I was going to ask you about key players. So it's great to hear that, you, that they're the ones that, that Ukraine are sort of fearful of. Sterling and Kane, obviously, England are blessed with so many attacking options, as we know. So how do you see the game going then? Go on, give me a score prediction. I don't know. I've got this feeling that we're going to see some penalties. Do you? You think it's going one to penalties? All, one all full-time after wow. extra time and then penalties. And, you know, heart overhead here, Ukraine to nab it. So you think Ukraine are going to beat England on penalties? If you'd have told me that before, I wouldn't have allowed you on this podcast anywhere near it, Andrew. I'm only joking, of course. You're, you're well entitled to your opinion. Um, I think penalties, a lot of England fans would be very nervous about them. Although, recent record in penalties is not bad for England. So we will wait and see. Andrew, great to have you on the podcast. Um, I, I would say all the best for, for the weekend, but I'll say enjoy the game, but don't enjoy it too much. But thank you very much for your time. It's been great. Thanks chat. for having me, Smithy. 
Thanks, mate. That was a wonderful introduction. You <laughs> want to say that again? I need my ego massaged a bit. That's yeah, I mean, anything I missed there that you wanted to add in? <laughs> I did, I, not Wembley and not England, but I played over three decades. It reminded me of that. And yeah. uh, I won the league trophy uh, in three different decades with, uh, with wow. my club. So that's uh, great. But my country and Wembley is my, was my second home. It was, yeah, Wembley was your second. There's so much to talk to you about, Tony. So before we look ahead to uh, this massive game, isn't it? I want to take a trip down memory lane, as I have done with all the legends that we've had on this podcast so far. So Euro 96, take us there, what that tournament was like, because a lot of similarities have been made between this tournament and that one. And of course, you were captain of England at that home tournament. That must have been very special. Oh, it's one of the most proudest, well, it's probably the proudest moment of my career, to be honest. You know, mm. I'm very, I loved Arsenal Football Club. I played there for 22, man and boy, 1979 mm. to 2002. 700, nearly 700 appearances, lots of trophies for the Arsenal, but there's nothing like playing for your country. Mm. And to lead them, uh, lead my country out in a major tournament um, was, like I said, the proudest, proudest moment of my, my career. And uh, yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful memory. Uh, unfortunately, we had the uh, the um, heart kind of uh, breaking uh, mm. last uh, penalty shootout uh, that unfortunately didn't go our way. But uh, I think we we brought a bit of pride back to the nation. We didn't qualify for the World Cup in 94. And I think football at that period was going through a bit of a lull. And, uh, you know, it, it, we, we just, uh, I think the way that we played as well under Terry Venables and mm-hmm. Don Howe and, and Brian Robson was in there as uh, newly retired as a, as a coach as well. I think that we just restored a little bit. Look, we, we said to all the foreign teams, you know, we, we can actually play here. Mm-hmm. We can, we can compete at the very best level. And, you know, the, the Dutch game. And, and oh. I think the German game, for, to be honest with you, I know we lost, but it was one of my best performances in an England shirt yeah. as well. I'm very proud that, uh, um, that uh, you know, I think there was a, a stat the other day where it came out with uh, um, Calvin uh, and he'd done like 11 interceptions at a game against uh, Germany the other night. Yeah. And uh, and I did fifteen, and I, I was telling people we only had one defender in those. This yeah. Gareth has got seven now. He's got three centre halves, two screening midfield players, two wing backs that are kind of forward. It was me, Stuart Pearce, and Gareth. The three of us, Vinci weren't going to defend in front of us, and then we just had six forwards. And like, yeah, it's true. Well, yeah, we yeah, unfortunately didn't come. Uh, come out on top on that day, but we certainly did. And I had a little tear in my eye, to be honest with you, uh, for me, for me, old mate Gareth. And I was very proud and uh, his family, you know, have taken so much stick over the years mm. and himself. And it's just uh, uh, great for him to, to have led the country and, and, and kind of got a little bit of, he's got redemption in my mm. eyes, you know, he's, he's kind of missed there, but you, there's a new memory for him now. And yeah. it's a positive and wonderful memory. And uh, he led that team to a magnificent last 16 knockout game against the Germans. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lovely answer that. And actually there's two things I wanted to pick up on. Firstly, I do receive the stats pack and I can confirm you are right with that stat. So congratulations. <laughs> that was a hell of a performance from you then. And also Gareth actually mentioned that in, in his post-match and we had Gareth Southgate on the podcast a few days ago. And it's interesting you said that, that he, he said that he saw David Seaman in the crowd of former teammates and that it, it was a big day for him personally. And it's lovely that you're sort of echoing that and saying that, that you you felt a lot of pride for him personally as a bit of redemption. Is that the word you use? It's, it's you know, strong words that. 
well, he's a lovely human being and he's a mm. great pal, you know, and I've done it, I, you know, I message him privately and that will stay private. But, mm. you know, publicly, I, I'm going to go on record to say, you know, that it was a, uh, you know, I couldn't be more happy to have, mm. To have witnessed such a great redemption, you know, mm. and, and uh, you know, he missed that penalty and the hurt of that for so many years, mm. you know. It, 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 and he's a tough character, emotionally, yeah. mentally, he's really solid. And uh, I was, I was full of emotion actually mm. on the uh, the day after the match. Really, I felt mm. very lifted for him, to be honest with you. I was light as a feather, not on the way the team performed, not the not on the result. It's actually for him as a human being and a you know someone that I really love mm. that, had, that had been able to get back in you know all the all the stuff in the past with Van Middlesbrough getting sacked or whatever you did there and, and being England under 21 all came to this moment where he had mm. an opportunity you know call it a calling whatever you want it's like he's had this opportunity to to close it all off and go there you go done now let's move on yeah <laughs> let's move on yeah, I love that. I echo what you said as well. Every time I've worked with him, he's been, he's been absolutely a class act. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, uh, just going back to your playing days, because one of the things that I remember so vividly about you as a player was just little things like the national anthem, how much pride you used to belt out the England national anthem and how you sort of had your chest out every time you led England out. So just wanted to get into your mindset about being captain uh, for your nation, because it, it looks like something that you were so, so proud of back in the day. I, you know, I, I was, I was, I, I can't, you know, Alex Ferguson always said, you take the character, your character onto a pitch, you know, and I was extremely proud to, to, uh, to leave my country out. It, there's an element of getting the nerves out as well, because I don't care who you are, you know, if, if you might be the coolest most serene guy in the world. When you're out there and you've got 100,000 screaming, screaming, and it's, just, it's a way of kind of getting the kind of um, the nerves out the system. If you go, God, shit, there we go. <laughs> love it. We've got a rendition. You proved my point. You love belting out the national anthem. Brilliant. And, 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 and captaincy for me, I had a lot of leaders in that 96 team. A lot of them didn't need motivation. Some of them did different ways. I learned a lot, a lot of my own personal experience and my own emotional, mental recovery. You know, I was definitely a different captain pre-96 and, and post-96. I learned there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know, how you... By finding out how much, uh, I, by finding out how much what I work and how I tick, yes. I knew a, a little bit about how other other people work. So by actually being reflective on the way that uh, I worked and motivated, I, I could see in other people actually this one needed just a, a a pat on the back. This one needed a come on, come on today, come on. You know what I mean? Some people yeah. need. I needed it. I've got to ask you from a defender's point of view because you said earlier on in this chat you always look at it from a defensive point of view so Tony Adams four games four clean sheets you must look at that and think oh doesn't get much better than that defensively does it Smithy I've been singing all the time it's it's not boring boring also it's boring 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 fantastic I love it. <laughs> you know, you've always got a chance. It's a oh. wonderful foundation. Yeah. People don't give it, you know, every single tournament, every single uh, Premier League title, every single thing, the team with the best defence and goalkeeper mm. win league titles, win trophies. Mm. You know, the Italians did it in the World Cup a few ago. The team was 
was very average. And it worries me how Italy are looking, to be honest with you. Because from, from a defensive I, point of view, you mean Italy? From a yeah. defensive point of view, yeah. I've kind of looked at them and they were my of course, obviously I'm right behind England, but they yeah. were my other team that I'm I'm very scared of. Um, because I thought they just got a great unit there mm. and a great defensive unit has as Gareth created. You mm. know, we've got a lot of Defensive midfield players, Henderson, you know, we've got him he's on the bench, you know. Yeah. I've been crying out for two holding. Phillips has had an amazing tournament. Yeah. He's yeah. really grabbed it. And it, there's always characters at every tournament that kind of stick out and come to the fore. And, and he's definitely been one of them for me. Mm. And it's just the work rate that he gets through. You know, and that's I had two. French, I won't talk too much about them, but, you know, Manu Petit and Patrick Vieira. And no one's... Not, not bad, not bad, not players. <laughs> when they won the World Cup, mate, and the Euros, no one yeah. went, well, they're really defensive, aren't they, France? You know, and it, Manu Petit was awesome. And I had a cigar out, mate, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I was just cruising. When they come to the club, I went, my job's done. You know, yeah, interesting. I look like a great player. I love this. No one's getting to me. I got on the ball and I'm distributing it. I'm pinging it left and right. And, you know, I was like, oh, why are you know, doing uh, 3v1s around Alan Shearer in the cup final in 1998? <laughs> I remember that, that cup final, yeah. Alan's, Alan's tongue was out, you know. We just played 3v1 round him. He's like... Uh, uh. <laughs> I love... The listeners won't be able to, to, to see that, but you're doing an impression of Alan Shearer there as well, uh, running chasing you, which is brilliant. And because you're being so honest and insightful, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to, I want you to answer me who you've been most impressed with or what you've been most impressed with about this England team because there's so many positives right now, isn't there? Yeah, I'm going to say, um, you know, I've already mentioned um, uh, Calvin uh, Ellips and Declan's had a good tournament defensively, you know, four clean sheets, you know, goalkeeper, these people, unsung heroes, yeah. they're all doing their job and all they're doing their job really well. But I've got to say, and, and, and I thought it was really um, great, actually, um, it's, it's Sterling, Raheem, mm. for me. Um, he was interviewed after his goal against Croatia and... Um, they asked him about, was he surprised that he was in the team <laughs> given his season? Mm. And he kind of just looked at him and went, I just went, well played, Raheem. You know, yeah. that's what that answer, you know, that's what that question needed. He was like, You've just won the league with Man City. You know, your head and shoulders above every other player that we've, sorry, every other player that we've got on the on the pitch, to be honest with you, in my opinion. You know, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a level above, you know, and I'd love to have a really poor season and win the league. I'd really love to do that. And him not including in this squad, it is laughable. And I love the way that he smiled after that question. Because yeah. <laughs> it's right for me, both feet. And when Harry comes, he gets in behind. It's, you know, I saw him firsthand in Seville when they beat the Spain. Uh, beat Spain, and I think it was in the Nations uh, tournament. And he was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, the side, left foot, right foot, you can play him in behind. You know, he's the first player on the team sheet for me. Mm. You know, and I, I don't understand. So 
hopefully he'll continue to deliver. Um, and uh, I just think he's an exceptional talent and he deserves all the pats on the back at the moment. I don't really care how far you've gone. He's, he's done himself proud. Yeah. He's done his country proud. His goal record ring is absolutely phenomenal recently. I'm sure many people agree with that. And the boy from Brent, he says he loves scoring in his backyard, he calls Wembley Stadium, which I just think is class. I've got to ask you as well, because you are Mr. Arsenal. Arsenal fans absolutely love you. So got to get your thoughts on Bakayo Saka, because he's one of the most popular players uh, sort of behind the scenes. I don't know if you, you've, you've heard some of the quotes, but they all absolutely love him and just say he's one of the nicest kids to have around. And also, he's played well as well, hasn't he? They're all sweet boys nowadays, aren't yeah. they? What's going on? What do you mean? Not not like what were you about to say? Not like your day or something? Absolutely. No, I'm going to say it's not like my day. We're all, <laughs> I was horrible. I was. What happened in your day? Go on. I was horrible, Smithy. You know, I was a bully. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was, I was lovely. Um, <laughs> if you did your job, I was lovely. <laughs> he's my mate, Sacker. He's, yeah. he's a pal of mine, and uh, um, you know, I first saw him down the road here. I live out in the Cotswolds. And he, and he played Forest Green in, a, in, you know, he's about 17. And I went, wow. And I, really? and I, I gave him a little text and, and said, how are you doing, mate? Well, you know, you keep your feet on the floor. And, and his family are really good and, uh, and solid. All these kids are great now. They're getting so yeah. much education at a young age. It's, it's so brilliant. And I texted him after he got his first goal for England and, uh, and said, you know, everything's a bonus for him. And, yeah. and we don't want to... I, my theory is, and, I, and I, he's got some good people around him, so I don't. I think it'll be okay. But mm. it, it's just if, if things don't go right, and all of a sudden, yeah, I know what this country's like. They build you up, and then they mm. whack you down. And there's been, <laughs> but he's he's good enough mentally, emotionally to handle that as well. To be honest with you, this kid's got a bright f- future, and uh, he's going great. I don't want to put too much pressure. Every now and yeah. again, I'll give him a little bell and go, "Well done, you know, you're doing great." Keep it going, son. You know, you did, you've got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose at the moment. So he gets the ball, he runs with the ball, he's quick, he goes past pe- people with ease. You know, he's even got a right foot. Some of the... Mm. He's actually got... He's kind of better the right foot than I've got left foot. But then he <laughs> smash one in with my left foot, so... You did, yeah. Famous goal. That I like, I like how you're bringing it back to your playing days. Brilliant the way you keep doing that. Um, Ukraine, looking into Ukraine. Actually, I can bring this back to Ukraine. I think I'm right in saying you scored for England against Ukraine. So uh, fond memories of that of that moment, Sony. Right for our folly, mate. It was right for our. Folly. I can see how much that means you now. You don't see it nowadays. <laughs> I can't see Harry. Harry. Come on, Harry. I, I want to see it against you. Harry Maguire. We beat them 2-0, I think we did. Yeah. Um, but they've they've got a very good team. I worked in Azerbaijan and 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 I took six Ukrainian players to Azerbaijan with me and a, and a Ukrainian coach. And they worked their socks off. Yeah. Really did. They're hardworking. They're pragmatic. They really value for money as well. You know, they got us into the group stage of the Europa League uh, three times on the bounce. It's actually a, a club record. You know, so they they were phenomenal, and I know they're a they're a tough old nation, and it's not a pushover. Yeah. You know, and if you're thinking the Germans might be, I'm just hoping that Germany weren't our cup final. You know, it was right, just okay. another game, and we're into the next stage, and we and we need to be up. We have to be positive, and we have to be up for the next game. This is going to be even harder than the Germans. Do you think? Just just elaborate on that a bit, Tony, because a lot of people have said this week that England can't take this game for granted. So I just wanted to elaborate on why you think this game will be will be tougher for Germany, in your opinion. 
Well, there's a there's a period. Look at Scotland. It'll be Ukraine's cup final for mm. a start. You know, in Scotland, definitely you can raise your games at, at some point. Uh, um, I, I certainly did. You know, when you've got Switzerland as an opener in Europe. Euro 96, it's not as, you know, when you're playing the Germans or the, or the Scottish, you know, you, you're up in your game a little yeah. bit. You know, you've got someone, we all know a, a, a Scottish or a Welsh, Johnny, you're like, they're, they're getting on to you a bit, mate. You yeah. know a little bit how, it, how it's going to feel yeah. for your for your neighbour, maybe. So there's always a little bit more on the, on the game. So um, I think they'll come into it with nothing to lose, with confidence, um, it's a, it's a given. Underdogs are, are always to beware of. You've always mm. got to be dangerous of an underdog, you know, because mm. they haven't got that anything to lose, you know. And we have come through, uh, you know, when a team wins the league, for instance, I don't know if you saw Man City a couple of years ago, mm. they lost the, all the other games. And we, we did, uh, 91 Arsenal. And uh, we won the league with about four games to go. We won it at a canter. And the last four games, I think we lost 5-0 at Man City, 3-0 at, you know, it was like after the show. I know mm. that we're talking, we're still in the competition. Yeah. We're still going for the major prize, but there's an element of, oh, you know. And if you take your foot off the pedal, mm-hmm. I think you're you're gonna you're gonna be coming up against it. And you do need an element of luck here. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about a knockout tournament. Sometimes a better teams better team doesn't go through. There's yeah. shootouts, shoot, um, shootouts. There's the guy that gets the wonder goal out, out the world mm. he's never kicked it with his left foot before and he goes and smashes one in and he, he runs runs away and he's a hero, you know? Mm. So it, it's very difficult on paper. Um, England should, you know, win this game. You know, yep. we've definitely got a better, better individuals. Um, I think the way that Gareth is rotating the squad, it will be other players. So it, kind of that kind of freshness uh, and whether your tiredness or the Germans' last game is going to be affecting you comes out of the equation because you've got other players that mm. all want to do well again. You know, yeah. you go and play Henderson again or play Mike, you know, Tyron Mings back in or you put Foden in as a run. They haven't had the German. They want to get involved. Yeah, yeah. Every good player want to get involved. So I think Gareth will rotate. He will freshen it up. I was wrong last time, so I'll probably be wrong again. <laughs> I was wrong because I said against Germany, no, he'll go for a back four. Yeah. Tight, he, he won't do it. And then he, he goes and surprises us and he nailed it. And he yeah. got everything right because we got the result. I'm saying now he's going to go and freshen it up again. And I see Henderson maybe coming in and, uh, mm. and, and maybe Foden. And, and I think it might be a good, good thing because it, it'll freshen it up again and get through to the quarterfinal. Go on then, Tony. Give us a score prediction for the big one. England against Ukraine. How do you think it's going to go? I think it's going to be a 2-0, like we beat them in 2000. Oh, when they got the last game in it last goal at the, at the, at the old stadium. Yeah. And I can see Harry Maguire doing a right foot volley, mate. There you, you go. You can see Harry Maguire <laughs> doing a Tony Adams. I love that. Tony <laughs> Adams is predicting deja vu. Maguire doing an Adams. 2-0. Two two and how far do you think this England team can go? Because we're all getting very excited about the prospects. What are your thoughts? Listen, it, it's a cup competition. You've definitely got the talent to win it, you know, uh, but there's a lot of other teams that have as well. So, uh, you know, hand on heart, I think we've got a great chance and I'm going to be, come on England, you know, I'm going to be sharing, shouting them on and uh, uh, 
I think we've got a good side of the group. I can mm. see us getting realistically to the final. Um, you know, I, I'm not taking nothing away from the teams that are still in it. Denmark's going to be a force if we get through, mm. if they beat um, Czech Republic. Yep. It's going to be tough to new team, whoever we're playing in the next two. But I can see us, we're a better team than these teams. And I, I said earlier, there's no guarantee in that. Uh, but I can see us getting to the final. Whether we'd be good enough to win the final, I can see Italy. I can see them coming through. I predicted at the start, go back on record, England oh. versus Italy final. Did you? Oh, I did hey. at the start. Wow. Um, and... I won't tell you I predicted to win it. <laughs> my heart's... I've got a lot of Italian friends as well. No. Okay. Come on, England. Come, we've got Brilliant. every chance, mate. We've got, the, we've got the individual ability, and I think we've got the team spirit to go all the way. Yeah, totally agree with that. My final question, Tony, because I've got to say, of all the guests we've had, and we've had some brilliant talkers, I think you're probably the most passionate that we've had on the way that you're talking. I can tell how much England means to you. So for the players listening, to the fans listening, what would be your sort of motivational message? Because I've had goosebumps just listening to you at times during this this chat. So (laughs) motivational message for all the listeners. What would you like to say? You can chuck a song in there, a national anthem, whatever you want. The floor Uh, is yours, I've been singing It's Coming Home, but I'm not going to do that. In 96... When I went out the room and I said to the guys, I said to the guys, no regrets. And I think we had loads. <laughs> so I'm not going to say no regrets. Don't say that. Okay. I'm going to go, it's coming home, it's coming home. Football's coming and come on, England. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Tony, the perfect note to end it. I love the fact you caveated that by saying, you know, take it game by game, but we got a sing song out of you. Real pleasure to speak to an England legend such as yourself. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Cheers, my friend. You're listening to the official England podcast. Yeah, what a guy Tony Adams is. Love hearing just how much England still means to him. What a top guy. Uh, That, unfortunately, is it for us today. All eyes now turn to the quarterfinals. Yes, England against Ukraine in Rome. Rome, sweet Rome. But fear not, we will be back tomorrow with immediate reaction from the match. And fingers crossed. It's a happy one. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. All that's left for me to say on behalf of the entire nation is see you tomorrow. Stay safe and come on England.